Hi there, I'm Dan Hilton, frontman for the indie rock band Southern Resident Killer Whales. And I am Josh Dye, the president and founder of the Convene Training and Resilience Community. And this is Timberwolves Tip to Tap, the only podcast in the world featuring the world-class Minnesota craft beer scene and the world-class Minnesota Timberwolves. Fair. Ah, the world-class. It, it, it sure feels like it, Dan. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this uh, this episode is way overdue. We tried to <clears throat> record an episode with Chalanga Langison of uh, CND Podcast like a month ago, and had technical difficulties. And it, it was only now that I could kind of get my confidence back to like put myself out there in the world. And it had, of course, been a bit of a wait even before then. So what was even happening back then? And even now, I'm not able to bring a, a Minnesota craft beer to you. I'm actually drinking a beer because I'm down in Iowa recording from my mom's apartment. I'm down here helping her do a little straightening up and just hanging out for a couple of days. My mom is uh, 92 years old and uh, going strong. And uh, so maybe kind of appropriately, I'm drinking the Victory Dance IPA from uh, Single Speed Brewing out of uh, Cedar Falls and Waterloo, Iowa. They have tap rooms. And uh, they have a lot of experimental ales, really cool facilities. I'd hope to go by and pick up a growler um, earlier today, but I'm actually drinking a beer. So what I found is really a, a good practice is to come down, buy some really good beer, and just like leave it in my mom's fridge so it's there the next time I come down. So this <laughs> beer is in here from the last visit down here. It's the Victory Dance IPA. And yeah, they do a great job. So if you're passing through, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Metro areas where you and I, the Panthers, hail from and about an hour and a half straight south of Rochester. Yes, the University of Northern Iowa Panthers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the Victory Dance IPA. I like any time a beer name can uh, really integrate with what's happening on the basketball side of the, the Timberwolves. You know, if we were drinking a brick house of some variety right now, that would not apply. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. But, they're kind of a brick house. The yeah, it's a, they're more like a brick wall, but uh, for other teams. I'm thinking more of the Commodore's uh, brick brick house connotation. But uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, front, from a beer standpoint, Dan, I just want to share one that I drank recently uh, during a night out on the town. I stopped at Dangerous Man Brewing and had the Vanilla Hazelnut Latte Double Stout. The style is known as a pastry stout, 8.3% ABV, but the flavor notes are dark chocolate, roasted hazelnut, vanilla, and coffee, and it is an experience. And the thing about Dangerous Man beers, it is still on tap, but if you like it now, you better get it because it will not be here tomorrow because they have very few, uh, you could say, flagship or stable beers. They just rotate them in and out. Cool. Hey, on the subject of the milk stout, so I did notice a single speed, and they actually mentioned it last night. We were at the OP, the other place, a pizza place down here, and they had a thing called, I think it was the cow tip, cow tip session milk stout. And you're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa. We didn't know each other till we met in Minnesota. You're from rural Iowa. I'm from mm -hmm. the mean urban streets of Waterloo Cedar Falls. But we all down here know what cow tipping is. And I don't know. I'm going to ask you because we always wondered if it was just a rural legend. Is cow tipping a thing? Can you actually do it? And it, maybe if you can explain what it is. 
I I never I never tried to do it. I never went on a cow chipping adventure with anyone. I don't have any firsthand experience. Oh wow! Okay, because you actually grew up on a farm, and we had cows, you know. But um, you never heard you to tip them, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I believe the concept behind cow chipping is when a cow's asleep, you can just go up and push them over and and tip them. But uh, and that it's relatively easy. I I don't know though. I've never I've never tried it, and I've never even bothered to look up online. If uh, that is myth or truth, I'm shocked that that wasn't like from green. That that wasn't like one of the, you know, I mean the the, the, the remarks just roll out. Whatever, I'm not gonna. Yeah, well, you have to understand, Dan. I was a, and this is speaking honestly. I was a very well, in my own way, I was a very good kid, right? I was I didn't participate really in any shenanigans uh, growing up and so like you know teeping during homecoming and keeping people's houses like I never did it like I never did any of that stuff growing up and so uh, I'm not a good person who can share youth focused shenanigans like you you don't have to say all these things just because my mom is listening (laughs) (laughs) Mom yeah. is actually sitting in on this and listening to this podcast. Yeah, way, so like, yeah I, I really cleaning have, up our act. I'm really trying to build my reputation with Mrs. Hilton right now. <laughs> and now that I've succeeded, Dan, shall we talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Let's do it. All right. So hot or cold, where are we at on a scale of 1 to 10 after four straight wins and the the Wolves have not lost a home game since December. Today it is early February. Yeah. So where are so, you at on a scale of one to ten? Well, we tried to talk about this in our false start episode and didn't have a chance, obviously, because it was never published. So I'm not and it's more apropos than ever, but I have some concerns about how our past unbridled and possibly unwarranted optimism uh, left us no headroom. We were given like eights and nines in the off season. And we'd go on like, you know, a, a winning streak that would still leave us short of a 500 record. And like, Oh, I'm yeah. feeling a nine. And it, it leaves you in a state where you're needing to really move the goalposts when actual legitimate good stuff starts to happen, not just sort of a optimistic best case scenario stuff. And I, I think it would be nice to define what, what does a one look like on a scale of one to 10 and then maybe, you know, what does 10 look like? So we can even know what, what people know what we're even talking about in a relative sense when we give these scores. What does a one look like if you're a Timberwolf fan? Have we for seen me, a one? For me, a one is nearly every season after the the Western Conference playoff run with KG, Cassell, and Sprewell, with the exception of say the Jimmy Butler year, which had some excitement, but just like for me, a one is perennial losing and essentially almost no hope of making the playoffs uh, going into the season. Now I realize there are some seasons in there where it was maybe, you know, the Timberwolves are a little bit more competitive than that, but just like the perennial falling short of the playoffs and not even an expectation of uh, making making a difference in terms of the, the league, that is a one for me. 
I feel like there's a few things that can play into it where it's like one thing might be, you know, okay, we're terrible, but we have a number one, you know, we're, we're going to get the best lottery odds. Even in your worst times, you have that sort of hope or the idea yeah. that you have, you know, assets that you could trade or whatever. Say like it was definitely not a one, the second half of the Sam Mitchell year when we had a young Wiggins, Levine towns and it was scoring sure. a ton of points and it was fun. And we thought, towns was like set up to be one of the best players in the nba and so there's all this nuance and various things you can get excited about and we've god knows we've had practice finding like what is there to be excited about with this team and reasons to tune in so i would you know i i feel like ones are are very ephemeral where like it's a moment where it's right after the season ending cat injury or, you know, where you're like, those sorts of here we go again moments. One is the mm-hmm. night after Sacramento comes back from 17 down with under three minutes to play, that sort of thing. But then right away, you know, as my old career counselor said, you know, you can visit Pity City, but you don't want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would never live in a one. Um, and I also, I'm, I'm, it's really hard to get a 10 out of me because I mean, there's, there's always somewhere to go, you know, up. Cause like we're talking right now with this unbridled optimism, but knowing that as constituted, we're not right. We, we're not there. We're not contending for an NBA championship this year, or maybe Josh is not ready to go there quite yet, but yeah, unless you're ready to go there, that, that, then there is another step. So I would like, I think, and so I think I'm going to kind of, and all that said, you can be excited without necessarily thinking that we are a 10 team. Like we are the best team in the league. You don't need that to be a 10. You can just be excited at a 10, right? right? Yeah. So, to me, like a 10 is not like we're contending for a title. I don't think that's reasonable as a Timberwolves fan that like, oh, I only reach peak excitement if we are on a path to the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, oh, wow, like this team is successful and I want to watch him and I believe that it might actually be a uh, <laughs> an enjoyable experience from uh, an entertainment, a basketball quality, and that they have a better chance that like a, a very good chance of winning the game on many nights. And that yeah. it's like, yeah, this is like meeting my entertainment value needs that I want out of basketball and that the basketball itself is like, fun and competent. And so for me, I think, um, you know, I'm like, Oh, when I'm like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a nine, I'm a 10. I'm super excited. It's like, yeah, this team makes me want to watch them for good reasons. Mm -hmm. And that it's not, it's not only about, are they the best team in the league, but can they make me want to watch every night? And it's not just because I'm a diehard fan, but it's because like, Dang, this team is like worth. They must see TV. Yeah, they must see TV. They're worth prioritizing feelings. You know, it's, they're like worth feeling. Mm. All right. Well, that, all that buildup. What do you give them on a scale of one to ten right now? You know, it's. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of break your rules and be like, oh, there's no headroom or whatever. But I'm not gonna give them a ten. I'm gonna go a nine this time because I now see the Timberwolves being who we thought they could be like in some ways in our, you know, you always warn like, Oh, be careful going for the most hoped for outcome with the Timberwolves. But we are seeing that we are living that now we've been able to get over some humps of kind of guys still feeling each other out, getting used to Finch's system, the offense catching up to the 
to the defense. Cat, um, even though he's kind of been a bit of an emotional roller coaster, seems to be on a in a more steady place of of late. We survived the COVID protocol, uh, guys being out, and and we're able to see like, wow, this team really is who we thought they could be, and we have some momentum now. It seems as well, and our benefiting at this moment from a you know stretch of you know Detroit Detroit Sacramento Sacramento you know assuming you can win one of these next two games against Sacramento or both um you know Josh that, are we gonna get hit by the next the next variant of Omicron right in time for the playoffs <laughs> you know it's weird um I don't know if the NBA and maybe I I don't pay attention to a ton of stuff outside of the Timberwolves right now it, has the NBA made any changes to their COVID protocols? Because I'm not seeing a ton of people being out I, like they were before. No, I think it just the wave went through. I think I, I, I'm not aware of that, but it, you're asking the wrong podcast host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hopeful right. that they'll actually make, uh, it, on that note, <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful that the NBA may go more the the path of the NFL in terms of COVID protocols um, mm. in order to maybe keep that stability in the event of another variant coming through. But that's a whole other conversation entirely, but that's something I'd like to see so that uh, more teams don't, we don't see it really disrupt the, the finishing stretch and into the playoffs as well. But what about you, Dan? Scale of one to sure. 10. I said I, I was a a nine. Of course you did. <laughs> I am wondering yeah. if you've ever not been a nine. I was earlier in the season. Early in the season, I was pretty annoyed. At, there were windows early on in the season where I was really quite annoyed. So. Well, it's the first segment of the show. It won't take me long to find if I look back. So it yeah. might be a little project. Um, so I, <laughs> I'm going with a nine because I'm really excited right now. Um, you know, a little scare with Torian Prince. It sounds like I actually missed watching a game for the first time this season last night because of being down here and it just um, doing other family stuff. So I missed the game, but I understand Prince went out a couple minutes into the game. So I don't know what his status is. Um, so, you know, that threatens that score because he's been riding so high. But um, in terms of what do we want out of team? And you kind of covered it all. We, you know, a, a reason to t- turn in and be enthused to turn in and be- have belief on a nightly basis and, and sort of the positive vibes of the team and everything else. Um, I'm, I'm a nine out of 10. It's a, it's a good time to be a Timberwolf fan. So let's take that and go right into what we're most excited about. Dan, what are you most excited about right now? If you're a nine, what has you uh, really pumped up right now? It's almost be shorter to do a what are you not most excited about segment. Um, I actually made a little list, I think, kind of just in order, and I'm going to kind of bullet point it here, but feel free to jump in. Um, number one is just kind of the overall, just it's a good time to be a Timberwolf fan, that concept and the idea that, like, how often have we been in a season where all those things are true about good vibes with the team, they're winning games. They're above, they're stinking above 500 by three games in February. <laughs> like we've not seen that around these parts. Yeah. So it's a good time to be a Timberwolf fan. Um, two is more specifically drilling in the offense, having come around where we were a bottom 10 offense the first part of the year. 
we thought all along that's not sustainable. That's not going to happen. And Finch was like, yep, yep, yep. Put time into the defense. You know, we'll figure it out. And, and holy cow, they figured it out over the last month. Like number one, number two offense in the league. Um, it's just fun to see just the, the scoring happening so organically and coming from so many corners. Uh, three is the bench having come around where that was really shaky. And for the last, you know, two, three weeks, maybe most of January, um, or I guess since the starters came back from our, our, uh, COVID outages, um, getting a lot of scoring off the bench is huge for this team. Uh, four is that the defense it seems to be sustainable. Obviously we're having like, you know, Detroit get 60 points and a half or whatever, but don't we know, we know like, and that more to this, more on this later in, in our new segment we're introducing. But we kind of know we, we can get a stop when we need to. We get important stops. And so, like, the defensive model works. It's like, how often are you going to expend that energy? And I think Dane Moore had warned us about sort of Denver when they their defense had gotten really good there for a couple of years, playing a somewhat similar style of defense that you have the energy at the beginning of the year, you have the energy at the end of the year, in the middle of the year, you sort of – pick and choose your spots. And that might be a little where we are, especially against inferior competition of late. Um, and number five is the signs of life from players who had a rough stop start. And in particular, I'm talking about Malik Beasley and Jade McDaniels mm -hmm. where, you know, players that were either with Beasley people ready to, of course, entirely give up on him because most people don't need any more sample size and half a season to sort of like, just have it be a, concluding you know view of a, an entire player's worth and career but um here we're seeing him come around and boy he's going to be valuable down the stretch if he can keep that up so you you got any any thing to add or push back on anything there just two things i'm really excited about right now one is finally getting to see continuity with a team you know a team that's played together they've settled into their roles they it's kind of that whole they know where their teammates are going to be and it feels when you're watching like all right things are just flowing now there's uh, and to me it's all about like ah these guys now have familiarity with each other they've played with each other enough they know how to communicate better they're trusting one another and they've settled in I'm really excited about that because that's like something that is sustaining and then I think the the Jaden McDaniels starting to uh come into his own again, I think is something to be very excited about. And that, you know, you, you see like flashes of a player in one year, like we saw with Jaden last year. And then people come in with, I always thought like overly high expectations. And then he was like really underperforming, not only those, but just sort of everything. And then, but it's like, maybe that's because, he has a different role on this team and he's settling into things differently, settling into the system. They keep introducing new wrinkles. Do you know how like new co coaches when they're new, like they don't introduce everything all at once. It's like, here's some offensive sets, here's some defensive sets and they keep building and building and building. And you don't necessarily think about that when you're, you see a player struggling, but maybe it's that, you know, getting used to that or something else. But I think just the continuity and Jaden being that monster on defense and being able to start to uh, contribute a bit offensively as well. It makes you think, um, makes me wonder, uh, and this is like an overrating Jaden McDaniels, and we'll get to this in a little bit too, but like, 
All right, if you were to trade for, say, a Marcus Smart, you were to, let's say you send Beasley in a first or whatever happens to, and Jane stays, then, like, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. And how necessary is it, et cetera? So, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm excited, Dan, that we're only one game out of the sixth spot. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, I'll actually say on uh, Jaden McDaniels, there's one thing is it's kind of like he's having uh, the ant all-star break leap from last <laughs> year. But it, it does sound like a lot of it had to do with Finch and kind of this moment where he's like, hey, we need you to just go out. and. I mean, it sounds like kind of obvious, but, the, you know, he may have just been thinking a certain level of sort of scoring was required of him and just being told to like go out there and, and your basketball player play basketball. Don't, you know, you're not, we're not, we don't have you here because you're a scorer or whatever, you know, kind of interestingly that then opens up his, you know, relaxes him enough that suddenly he's, he's hitting threes and he is scoring. All right. We're hitting a new segment here this time, right? Hey, that sounded like you were, uh, had a cow there. You were leading around. <laughs> <laughs> careful about the uh, tipping there all right <laughs> upon closer inspection dan talk about this new segment so this is really about when we have these these theories uh about well like w w defense that i was championing earlier this season for anyone that's been listening consistently on star defense the idea that a lot of stars in the league you're like that I don't get it. They don't seem to play like a whole lot of defense, but like they're clearly winning players and realizing that the same way certain stars tend to shoot a lot of free throws because there's what, things they just understand about how to be effective and how to do necessary things for winning on the court. And that there are certain players that they actually do play defense, but they play defense in like the last two minutes of a quarter or in the last five minutes of the game when it's an important game. And so I'd say like someone like a Sam Cassell, I bet was a hell of a defender, like at the end of a game, mm. but like, you know, his defensive metrics were probably terrible. And that's one of those things I think it can really get hidden. And I've always suspected that that is D'Lo actually. And this was back earlier in the year before everyone else was, everybody is a pro D'Lo podcast now, Josh. Correct. <laughs> But Correct. back when, yeah. when there was only one pro Delo podcast, <laughs> um, that was the thing that I, I, I was saying about Delo. And I mean, you think about the, you know, the, the Jimmy block he was famous for, but we mm -hmm. know he's got long arms. We know he can anticipate passing lanes. We know he's a smart player. You know, it's like, it's not like all unsupremely athletic players are incapable of playing defenses. So like can D'Angelo Russell, and it's not, does he play good defense? It's can he, can he when it matters? And so, and, and the fact that that kind of, that whole theory that I had, that I think it, there's some evidence to it, but I don't, I'm not interested even in searching for the, the hard evidence. I'm just mm -hmm. leaving it out there for people to consider. I think it's related to this whole idea of the veteran team that can TCB and take care of business when it matters. So you think about the team where like, the old heartbreaking losses, the wolves when we had cat and Zach and, and Wiggins and Ricky, and we're playing some team, really good team 
keeping it close. We're like, we're getting one of our many moral victories and just about have it. And then the other team just kind of like, okay, we're done dicking around. We're just going to put the screws in. We're going to beat you at the end. They didn't need to apologize for winning that way. That's a good way to get through a long season without mm-hmm. beating your body up too much, without expending too much energy. It's actually a really important veteran way. There's other teams that are capable of putting it, you know, stepping on the throat early and just keeping a lead all the way through. And maybe there's games where the Wolves will do that because the other team, a bad team might say, well, tonight's not the night. and We're just going to get beat tw- by 20 points wire to wire. But these, I- I'm thinking specifically about these last couple of Detroit games where they're considered uninspiring wins. They're not particularly, you know, some of the things we've been all excited about, say the defense, you know, it's like, wow, we gave up 60 points and a half. You know what? So what? So what? Let's give up 60 points in the first half and then have a repeat performance in the second half and lose the game. And then we'll call it a disappointing game. But if we find, if we play an uninspired game and find a way to win, that's actually a, positive sign that's the team version of star defense which is good teams win games bad teams find ways to lose games and you know what you can play with fire this good this now and i'm gonna call them a good team this good timberwolves team will probably have so they might lose one of the next two games against sacramento they'll lose to a bad team this year they will play with fire and they'll try to, you know, they'll try to turn it on at the right moment. And it, their timing was wrong. They guessed wrong. They did something wrong. Still doesn't eliminate the theory. It's still, you know, more often than not, it's it's going to pay off for a better team than a worse team. Where you have to be concerned is the Timberwolves, the version of the Timberwolves we've seen in the past where there's a lot of talent, but they continually lose 10-point leads, 15-point leads, 20-point leads down the stretch that's not in the universe of this team that we're watching this year. So we, at the beginning of the year, we're talking about, we're just going to outscore people. We are just going like with the full complement of players, like who's going to outscore us. Mm. And we were like, cause there was before the season started anyway, it's kind of like, where's the defense going to come from with this team? And but we're like, it doesn't matter because they're going to outscore people. And then the <laughs> season starts and like, wow, the defense is pretty confident and the offense is bad. And now we've seen the offense become what we knew it could be. And the defense isn't quite what it was, but you, as you mentioned before, it's sustainable. And so now we're in a spot where we have an okay defense and I think maybe an elite offense when we're healthy. And that is a combination that is really hard to beat, and I would say that as a Timberwolves fan, I am years away from ever calling a win uninspiring <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or yes. a win disappointing. We've had enough actual losses and actual <laughs> disappointment that I am not going to allow any game that we win for at least the next couple of years to be a, right. oh, that was like a, a lazy win or a disappointing win. We've had plenty of the games where it's like, oh, we we beat or played competitive against a really good team, then you lose to a bad team. Well, now we either beating or playing really competitive against really good teams, and then we're beating the bad teams. And yeah. 
and that is something to, uh, I think, relish. And then I also would say that, you know, one thing that I'm noticing is I, I actually think Ant is maturing a lot as a player. In that, uh, you know, he's, he, I don't see him like pressing it too much. You know, it's like there's, I, I feel like he's kind of taking what the odd, uh, what the uh, defense, you know, gives him, so to speak. He puts pressure on at times and he needs to put pressure on when he doesn't quite have it. He defers to teammates. He still rebounds. He works to play defense. And that, you know, we are seeing uh, another leap on the maturity side of Ant that I think leads to more consistent winning plays from him throughout. That it's, he was pretty quiet uh, in yesterday's. Detroit game, but more on like the offensive end. Um, you know, you weren't having like surge of Ant, but to me overall, it just seems like where before it was like Ant was either a hundred or zero. Now we're getting more, uh, more consistent contribution throughout. Yeah. It also kind of feels like he might maybe needs the all-star break. Doesn't it? Like, Hmm. Kind of like he mentioned tired, the knees yeah. a couple times, and he's like he's not actually kind of trying to destroy people on dunks as often. I, although I understand uh-huh. he had an almost destroying somebody on a dunk last night. Yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing we haven't really talked about, we talked about chemistry and good vibes and everything, but the fact that the sort of how the baton passing of offense and whether there's going to be any clash of like who gets the ball in crunch time, who's taking all these shots, and how much cat and ant and delo seem to truly uh enjoy success for the others and and how well that partnership is working is really a cannot be overstated as yeah, a possible uh, and and what i would say is delo gets the ball in crunch time and it's his choice to do with it what he wants that's where i'm at <laughs> uh, whether that's find a way to set up cat or get it to ant or to take or it check it up with with three seconds gone in the shot clock and in, in crunch time i trust elo i just do and i'm fine i'm fine with that but dan we've been talking about all of the uh all the positives here uh where are people missing the point entirely or what are you you freaking out about or what blind spots are you seeing people have in in timberwolves in timberwolves land yeah, well, this is more of a bone to pick with Timberwolves land than the Timberwolves themselves. So we'll keep it positive for the team. But um, the freak out, the blind spots this time, it has to do with the, the trade deadline. People are freaking out about trades. And I think some of it is that people just can't help themselves. You want to play GM, you whatever. But yeah. I, I have a whole litany of things where, like, I typed out my notes in all caps, kind of like that guy that does the IKEA employee, his responses that he does. To you know the customer service oh, yeah. and Kaiki. All right. Yeah. Like life is not 2K. Doom, 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 doom. And so the first one of my bullet points is so this idea that you can just play GM and you're just gonna make these trades for the Tim rolls. First of all, you who are you pulling out of the rotation? <laughs> so you're like, oh yeah, let's get and then name your guy, like name Marcus Smart, you know, Miles Turner. Ooh, we want, you know. Uh, who, who's the uh, John Collins or Powell or somebody like that. It's like, we, we want that guy. Let's put him on our team. It's like, okay, who are you pulling out of the rotation? Cause like, who, what are you going to sit? You're going to, we're going to get this big guy you're talking about. 
We're going to sit Vando. Really? You're going to sit Vando? Oh, you're not. Okay. So you're going to tell Miles Turner he's coming off the bench? <laughs> like, life is not 2K, which for anyone that anyone that's missing that, maybe this is for my mom's benefit. <laughs> 2K is a <laughs> video game system where you're like, you can just like pretend to be a general manager and you don't have to worry about personalities because players are just algorithms and they'll just fit together like their numbers say they'll fit together. And here it's like we're living in a world where, where there's personalities and relationships and they're actual human beings and maybe they see themselves and trust as a and continuity and yeah and it's like here this team is like who who are you going to take minutes away from in this roster right now and you dink around and bring in some like higher name player and the then the other one is nobody wants your garbage it's like we want to get rid of Malik Beasley. What now? Maybe we don't. Cause now, you know, he's hitting, what do you know? Had we done a show two weeks ago, what would we yeah. have been saying? Because we, I've been saying it on Twitter, but like, he's a guy that's like a 40% shooter. That's going through a bad stretch. So he's going, he goes through a bad stretch. Yes. Half a season. It was, it was, it was under his standards. Yeah. And so like, what are you going to do? You're going to get rid of him and get a shooter. Okay. So we need shooting. So we're getting rid of our 40% shooter, but I'll go with you. All right. So somebody else is going to trade you their good shooter because we're giving them our guy that we apparently think can't shoot. Like who wants to do that? If we don't want Malik Beasley, nobody else does. If we don't think he's worth, you know, $15 million, nobody else does. So nobody wants your garbage. If, if, we think it's like, oh, well, maybe they want him because he's been a career 40 percent. Well, then we should keep him. If we don't think he's bad, we don't think he's bad. If we think he's bad, like it doesn't work the way you, it just doesn't work like that. So yeah. people are so ready to give up on these players. And like literally Malik Beasley hitting shots is what we need. And we're proving that right in these last few games. Like this is a he fills an exact need that we have. He's a 40 percent shooter that. Mm-hmm had by the way an off season where he was in jail and came in out of shape and was starting last year and is not starting this year and there's a few things this guy's sorting through and what do you know i actually heard last night some encouraging quotes from him i don't have them at the tip of my uh finger but he was referencing himself as being part of the bench and taking pride in that and like what the bench can deliver and just and then talking about the chemistry and talking about how how uh, uh, little J Mac McLaughlin is his is his point guard he likes to play with. I'm like, well, I got good news for you, Beasley. You're <laughs> staying on the bench. It's gonna work out great for you. He's gonna continue <laughs> to be your point guard. <clears throat> but yeah, so so just I almost want to mute Twitter during the couple weeks before the trade deadline, because Mm -hmm. like all these trades are terrible. They're they're just, (laughs) they're terrible. And then I almost, there's this whole weird thing about Marcus smart and like Marcus smart is one of my favorite players in the NBA. And I've actually not enjoyed the Marcus smart smart speculation because it would make me so sad for Boston fans as a, person who has had to sit there for years and watch golden state fans delusional laker fans we all agree that these are some of the worst fan bases and they'll propose these trades where like they get rid of everything they don't want and just imagine that they're in a shopping aisle of other nba teams and just putting everything they want in a cart 
it's just annoying. It's arrogant and it's annoying. And like, why don't be like those fans? Don't do that to other fans. Don't do that to other fan bases. It's annoying. Like, I love Marcus Smart. Like, if if Boston gives us Marcus Smart for Malik Beasley, like it just I'm I'm wanting to fly there and check on this, you know, the health and sanity of Brad Stevens. Like, why would he do that? So yeah, so so just think kind of think about all this blind spot stuff with the the, the trade deadline. Just think about like how this comes across. Think about like, don't, don't think about just like what you want to do. Like think about what, what would the players think about this? What would the, what would, will the other team do this? And then the stuff about like the most recent thing that has happened is not the only thing that has ever happened. This guy is shooting bad. Now, will he continue to shoot bad? If he doesn't shoot bad, start shooting good. <laughs> that will be like his career averages suggest he will. If he comes back to the mean, Great. You know, we were willing to wait nearly half a season to see our offense come around. Let's wait a little bit longer for Malik Beasley. The Dan, final thing. You, oh, yeah. No go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. One final thing on this whole the trade deadline that people are missing is this idea that some of these trades I see, it's like this win now mentality. Get You know, like if we could do this because when we get to the playoffs, this is like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Look, Timberwolves tip to tap predicted a sixth place finish. We did. <laughs> We, we saw this coming, but it's okay to be content with it. Like at the beginning of the year, what do we do? We get into the playoffs, make a noise. Now I have some small degree of belief. Maybe we can steal a first round playoff win, depending on matchups. We probably won't. We'll yeah. probably lose in the first round. But this is how this is how you build things. Like mm-hmm. we were bad last year. We make the playoffs this year. That's okay. That is a success. Let's leave some room to build on that success. If we like make an Atlanta Hawks run this year and like upset somebody and upset somebody and get to the Western Conference Finals, then you'll be like the Hawks. Next year, you'll get in the first round. It's going to be considered a disappointment. It's like we're having a fun season. Let's get into the playoffs. If we're good enough to win a series, great. But let's not like sell our future to like get some guy that's going to just work for this year instead of like building. I do think I have faith in this front office, but I want a sustainable winning culture here. And it's not going to happen because some yokel is playing, you know, GM on, on, on the trade machine. You know, Dan, you all, you always have faith in the front office. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Fair to, to state that. I, uh, I, I do, I do think that, you know, people are seeing what this team is and the guy who put them together is not here. You know, like this is Rosas's uh, creation as far as the, the roster that is there. Now Finch is maximizing that creation of the players obviously are the bulk of <laughs> Finch is a Rosas creation. Exactly. And I, and so I, I don't, we have zero, really data points with which to judge Gupta. Truly. And maybe yeah. maybe he's happy for all the people using trade machine because he invented that. <laughs> yeah. I mean he gets so much and like trade machine's awesome, right? But I feel like he gets so much like credibility because he created the trade machine. We don't know that he's any good at using it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know actually I'd say the the good track record he has so far is having not done something right that, like, that, that's that's a data point yeah and i i think that's 
that's really fair. And I would say this maybe leads nicely into my own personal freak out, which is around uh, making any change. You know, <laughs> uh, you and I at the beginning of the season, when it's like, oh, you know, what should the Wolves do? We were like, we just kind of want them to run it back. You know, like, let's see yeah. what this is at its like fully healthy, full regu- full preseason training camp, et cetera. Like, let's see what we have. And now we are, we've actually had enough stretches, I think, of uh, normal that, like, we kind of know what we have. And it doesn't mean it couldn't be better. But there's also, like, this team is surging right now. Um, there's no reason to think that they're going to, like, fall off the cliff in particular. I'm personally very much fine with, like, letting the rest of this season play out as is, make not a single change, and then get into the offseason and see what you're dealing with or what gaps you have. Because my question before we head into the power rankings, Dan, is what gaps does this team have right now? And I know that Beasley's been inconsistent, et cetera, but, like, if Beasley's if Beasley not playing like Beasley is the problem, then you could make an argument that a Marcus Smart or Marcus Smart type player is not the solution right. because he's not a shooter, right? Like if, oh, wait, what the gap is Beasley not being. He is more, he is more than you think he is, but yeah. I, I, I yeah. And I'm not trying to diminish Marcus Smart in, <laughs> in any means because I know that he's competent offensively. He's elite defensively. And yeah. he is like, He's like a larger Patrick Beverly in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what do we, what is the gap on this team right yeah, now? I, th- I think most people would say somebody who another sort of generate their own offense. So sort of like maybe a more established track record, Jalen Noel, like somebody that isn't just a shooter, but can get their own shot off when you need to. Right now, that doesn't appear to be as much of a need because the ball movement and the synergy is so good. Then I think some people would have said, they probably would still say it because they just say it because it's the thing that you say is that we need another big body. But like, who really gives us the huge trouble with that? Jonas Valanciunas. We're not going to meet him in the playoffs. (laughs) But We seem to have sort of figured out how to exploit some of those teams that want to get a little... I mean, teams can still get a little physical with us, but don't pretend like you're going to take a, you know, a, was it Ed Monroe? That you're going to take Greg, a guy Greg like Monroe, that, yeah. Greg, Greg Monroe, Monroe and, yeah. and slide him in there. And just because he's big, suddenly that you're, it's going to solve your problems because suddenly that changes all the other dynamics that that position has to play. So I, I still think that like, gosh, if you're just getting pushed around a while, just throw Nathan Knight out there a little bit. I kind of like to see him get a little mileage and then is because maybe the solution to that is right here on the roster. And maybe there's not a whole lot of, you know, the, I, I love that you said run it back. Cause like one of these times we have to do a rundown of like, what were the tip to tap preseason projections? It was let's run it back was one of them. Vando starting was one of them finishing mm-hmm. in a sixth seed was one of them. Like, like, come on, man. Um, and so right now, if like we're building any kind of a track record here, we're like the tip to tap position is stay pat unless there's like some no brainer. Yeah, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at with it. You know, you I was like, what does this team need? And you'd said, well, maybe somebody with a 
a Jalen Noel, but with a better, more consistent track record, or just like a proven Jalen Noel and potentially a, a big body that can can bang around. But the way I look at this, Dan, is that you know, it, seeing as how we're winning right now, I'm happy to keep like the incredibly affordable, solid contributors that we have, like a Jalen Noel. Uh, you know, like letting them grow into that role and giving mm-hmm. us more flexibility for the next year and the next year. Kind of like the, to your point, the damaging nature, potentially of the win now mentality, where it's like, we might be able to like win for years with some of these contracts that we have. Right. 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 That like, what are we trading and what does that do to like winning for the next four years? Right. So given that we are just like solid, you know, sort of solidly winning slash competitive now. And I would say even the guys that are like completely out of the rotation. So like, you know, poor Jake Layman. Jake Layman is getting trade machine burns. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know what? Like there is a guy that like, he doesn't get any run. He's not had a great, time with it but he's he has been a rotational nba player in the past and like in a real pinch that is a guy that could move from kind of two to four in terms of defensively offensively and the thing he's never really put together for the timberwolves is a consistent outside shot or else he would have been a lot bigger part of our plans because he can play okay defense he can move to the basket and he can move the ball he just can't hit you know open shots from outside but in a real pinch i mean there's a budget guy that fills a need so i think same thing with like a kogi i mean one of our you know beverly gets hurt you know vando gets hurt who if we get rid of a kogi and bring in some sharp shooter that's bad on defense there goes our sort of specific hitman special ops defensive guy that is sitting there on the bench ready to go nonstop when he's called on. And like, even these guys that aren't in the rotation have some value. If you think about the way injuries and, and weird stretches can just derail things. It's like, I, I don't have a prop. And I was just making a case for give, giving Nathan Knight a little run. It's like, mm-hmm. like when I say run it back, I'm like, really mean, like I am pretty happy with this roster right now. Yeah. Is this a roster that's gonna take us to the Western conference finals? Almost certainly not, but there's plenty of time to deal with that. There's an off season coming up. This season is going to end on a really positive note. Then make some decisions, then figure out what you're doing. All right, Danny, ready to take us into the Timberwolf power rankings. And this has been so long. Let me just remind folks, this is not who is our best player, but who has the buzz? Who's, who's capturing the zeitgeist of Timberwolves nation? Who is making noise in some way on the team. Dan, let's start with number five in the Timberwolf power rankings. They thought he wouldn't crack it all year, but I'm going with Malik Beasley, who, I mean, we're playing so well right now. I I think a few people in this list could make a case for being even a little higher than they are. Hmm. But um, Beasley hitting probably, I would guess he's over 50% from three in his last four games on high volume. Finally doing it's all, all year as you know, like everybody else occasionally yelling things at the TV. It's like my family's heard me say, you know, every time he like clanks a wide open three, it's like Malik Beasley, you have one job. (laughs) (laughs) 
And now he's doing it. And now he's doing his one job and it's, it's glorious to see. And for all the, you know, another guy that's got the trade machine burns and has taken a lot of flack on here and not on here, but in general, um, it's really great to see. And I'm glad for him. And he's number five. All right, Dan. And who do you have at number four? Well, I'm, I'm doing a crazy thing here, but I'm going with J Mac. And because we have two J Macs, hmm. I'm fitting them both in at number two. But Jordan McLaughlin, another guy that, again, you can go back and find some freezing cold takes from earlier this year about Jordan McLaughlin being unplayable and we got to get rid of him and we need a second point guard because we don't have another playable point guard on the roster. What do you know? It looks like we found our backup point guard because Jordan McLaughlin is playing great. Like, you know, we don't even need like how he's playing now. We just need some sort of competent floor generaling and hitting some open shots, but he's doing great. Uh, resurgence by Jade McDaniels. Um, so it's, and we, you were talking about him a little bit earlier, but yeah, I got the two J Max at number four. Oh, and the Jade McDaniels, I just have to share this since you didn't see the game. Maybe you saw the highlights of yesterday, Dan, but there McDaniels had this uh, little spurt in the second half where he hit a corner three and then went down on the defensive end and had a monster left-handed block of the oh, nice. Detroit Pistons players. And then we raced back down the floor and then he sinks another corner three. <laughs> and it was like this momentum moment of like, yeah, the Timberwolves are going to pull away from these these guys and so well placed like at number th th three and d four. and three exactly <laughs> yeah. all right so who's number three dan torian prince and i realize he went out with an ankle injury just into last night's game didn't see that but just the level he has been playing out yet another guy who is on the scrap heap You're getting kind of like a, a a theme here the four guys in positions three through five yeah. so far have been pe people that that people were pretty much willing to give up on all reserves, except sometimes, I guess, J-Mac, uh, big J-Mac. But Torian Prince is finally playing like the veteran. He seemed like he's going to play. He's hitting that for more than like more than 50% from three, but we know him to be a capable 40 point or 40% three point shooter. And he's doing that. And yeah, he's number three. Number two. Vando, who continues to impact the game at an elite level, and there might not be another player in the league that is like Vando. Vando's incredible. Number one, Dan, I, I, I actually think there's an argument that, based on how the power rankings work, that Vando could be number one in the mm. power rankings just based on how well he has played this year, and his play might actually be the like the thing that has – made like to free cat and even ant and other players to just be able to focus on some of what they yeah. do best and that he can fill so many of those gaps in in such a way um and by the way man. it's kind of it's just sad to leave beverly off this list i'm gonna say but uh, yeah cat is number one and if you think about the consistent level of x almost a pioneer of excellence in the the <laughs> way in which he has played um, this year. And I think, and I, I'm assuming it was like this last night too. I know that there was a little bit of a meltdown two Detroit games ago, but generally 
having really sort of gotten back within his head and sort of these game slowing down method of playing that he's doing, truly doing the things that impact winning, including now it seems not a ton of histrionics and, and as they say, the stray voltage. Um, it's been really great to see him this year and also getting named the all-star team. That's pretty, that's pretty power ranking good resume stuff. Yeah, Kev's been incredible, and his body does just seem so much more under control. So there's yeah. something that's far less flaily than it has been uh, before as well. And, Dan, I always have a sixth man. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a place. Sometimes it's an energy. And, and fascinating, if we're talking about an actual person as the sixth man, I mean, I could choose between Ant, D'Lo, Pat, Bab. Like, none of those guys made the top five. And did not make the top five. Can you believe it? Yeah, and and in the six man today, I'm going to go with Pat Bev. Um, yeah, you gotta. And and he's a guy who has. Um, you and I were both like, oh, are we catching catching Pat Bev on the like, you know, not quite at his peak, uh, physically. You know, are mm-hmm. we getting like a and a veteran who's a little bit older and who's going to be that leadership we need, but maybe on the floor isn't going to be quite what. He used to be, and seems like we've got a Pat Bev that is not only performing pretty solid on the floor, but is everything we've needed and more on the emotional side, the leadership side, the intensity side, the annoying the other team side. Right. It's so fun to have yeah. that guy on your team, uh, as you know, that as moment, they always say. So I guess last night, and I saw the the picture of this, but when they were reviewing something to see if what he did was a flagrant foul. And then they had the shot where the ref comes up into the camera and is announcing the call. And Bev is like looking over his shoulder. It was just, it was like one of the sports photos of the year. It's like he wanted to be involved. It was just wonderful. So yeah, knocking on wood. For, oh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just got to say for his availability in the playoffs, I'm kind of hoping that with both he and D'Lo, there's been some of the games missed because of injury are sort of minutes management and like, we just want these guys to be fresh for the playoffs. We want these guys to be fresh for the playoffs because his and D'Lo's importance in games that really matter are are going to be huge. All right, Dan. Did we just do it? Did we just have a successful episode here? Under an hour if, if my end uh, screed is not overly long. Again, one, I know that's one of your, uh, your goals is to keep it under an hour. Uh, and you have succeeded. We have succeeded in that today, Dan. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Timberwolves Tip to Tap. If you can think of anyone else who might want to join us for Minnesota Timberwolves and Craft Beer Talk, please let them know about us. For Timberwolves Tip to Tap, I am Josh Dye. And I'm Dan Hilton. And that will do it for our 19th episode of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. Follow our Twitter at Tip2Tap. That's spelling out the word to talking mostly Timberwolves, general NBA craft beer, and sometimes my dog, Murray. Mm. In the close of our shows, I will often counsel moderation, imploring you to heed the words of D'Angelo Russell. It ain't sweet. No, never too high, never too low. Right now, <laughs> it's hard to even feel that. We're three games over 500 in February. It's a good time to be a Timberwolf fan, and it is good and right for you to be having the time of your life. And even so, 
my admonition is maybe more important than ever. We will go on a losing streak again this year. We really will. And this Wolves team that is suddenly acting all veteran and turning it on when it matters will regress and underperform. This same collection of resourceful players may struggle again. Just remember that a three or a five game span or even a quarter of a season does not define a career and should not be the body of evidence on which you base your takes. So be good to each other, fellow humans on the internet, stay safe and go Wolves. Thank you.